This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Jesse, this episode is something that's really near and dear to our hearts. And it actually, for once, we are hitting the month that it is this particular episode topics awareness month. You know, I feel like we always miss the ball on, oh yeah, it's Christmas. We probably <laughs> should talk about something related to Christmas. Just, well, just forgot about that. Out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, who knew Christmas was in December? But the month of, I had to think about what month it was, but the month of May is actually Foster Care Awareness Month. And so this episode is going to be dedicated to all things foster care. But if you have zero interest in foster care or that is nothing that is on your radar screen. You don't know anyone who does it. You know it's not something that God is calling you to. Don't just skip this episode because we're going to be talking about unexpected lessons that we've learned from a year in foster care. But I think a lot of what we're going to share can apply to many different areas of life. It's just our own personal journey that we've been on this last year. For what's saving my life this week, I actually am going to bring something that is foster care related, and that is my foster care support group. Jesse, you know how often am I talking about this support group all the time, Mm -hmm. a lot. And um, it is just a group of women in a local church that puts it on, but you don't have to be going to that church to be a part of the group. And we meet every other week. 
and we're going through um, Jason Johnson's book, Reframing Foster Care. So we read one chapter, we talk about it, um, we eat good food. The church actually provides dinner for us, and so it's usually from some local restaurant. And then we just go around and we share. And usually it's just our high and the low of the week. And a lot of times we'll be asking for advice or sharing a situation that we're walking through and just asking for some input or just encouragement. And it has been such a gift to me. And I was just thinking as I was wanting to share about this, this is something that I prayed for for a very long time, just for this community and deep community And I see it as such an answer to prayer. But some of you are probably listening right now saying, well, I wish I had that. And I just don't have anything like that in my life right now. And I just want to encourage you. First off, pray. Ask God to open up the doors for friendship, for relationship, whether you're fostering or whether you have a child with special needs or whether you just need community for where you're at, whether you're parenting teens or you are single or um, you're newly married, just someone who can come alongside you and encourage you where you're at, whether they are in the trenches with you or they've been there, or they're just someone who is going to encourage you and lift up your arms. Pray and ask God to bring that person or those people to you and keep praying. Don't just pray once and be like, well, nothing happened. So I guess I'm moving on. Keep praying. For me, it was months of praying for God to open this door. And and then also, I think it's that you need to be willing to show up. So not only opening your home, opening your heart. We talked about that in last week's episode, being the one to be the friend that you wish that you had but also being willing to show up to situations where it could feel a little bit awkward. For instance, the first time that I went to this foster care group, I was like, I don't know who's going to be there. And what if, you know, they all know each other. I'm the only one who doesn't know anybody. I don't go to the same church. And, but just showing up. And yes, it was awkward. And yes, you know, you have to experience the awkward in order to experience the awesome, like we talked about last week. And so pray but then show up. And so when you're invited, show up and keep showing up at least for, you know, sometimes it's not going to be a fit, but a lot of times you can't tell the first time when you meet with someone or you go to a group, whether it's going to be a good fit. So keep showing up for a while and just praying about it. And I'm just trusting that God is going to provide places of community for you as well. And maybe you're the one to start that in your area. Start the group for young moms. Start the group for newly married. Start the group for empty nesters. Start the group for foster moms. You can be that community builder in your community if you aren't finding what you're hoping for. Go be that in your sphere of influence. I also wanted to talk about a book that I'm reading, but first, Jesse, you have finished that huge book that you were reading. Yeah, I've spent about most we, of the day a couple of days ago. We, just, we didn't see you much one day a few days ago, which was fine. Yep, I was It was a day that we didn't have much going on, and I was Plugging away and finishing it. So, yeah. It, it was The uh, Devil's Hand by Jack Carr. It was the fourth installment of his James Reese series. And this one was actually pretty interesting to me in that he's always, and I've talked about this in a previous podcast, woven a lot of uh, history detail 
into his books. And he did so with this one, especially as it related to 9-11 and the different terrorist attacks preceding 9-11. And because uh, the, th- the thrust of the book was how has the enemy learned from observing how we as a country have responded to different events in around our nation within the last year, within the last 20 years, and how could they change their specific tactics and and how they relate to our country. So um, it was a very thought-provoking book. And you said when you got to the end, you still felt like I would enjoy it. So usually you're spot on with that. So now there's a, there's a, some language. Um, There's some scenes that you probably would not like, um, but I think overall, I think you'd like the book. And does he have another book coming out in the series? Yes. But it's not for another year or something? Right. It comes around this time every year. And he's already working on finishing that book, too. I was noticing last week when I was putting the link in for this book into the show notes that he has a lot of reviews on Amazon already for this book. And it just Mm -hmm. recently came out. So clearly, these books are doing really well. Yep. And uh, the audiobook is out as well. And... I guess the voice actor that that read his book is pretty well known. I, I didn't know who he was, but he's been in a couple of films. I think he was just in a recent film that was released. Did I, was this the series? I listened to one of your books. Yes, you did. Was it the first one in the series? I think series? you listened to the first one, yes. Okay. I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe that they are all on the Libby app. So for those of you who love the Libby app, um, free audiobooks, check that out because mm-hmm. I'm pretty positive that's where I listened to it from. And I, I know that I saw some other ones, so I'll have to look and see if it's on there. I know the last time when I looked, it was a long wait, but hey, mm-hmm. for a free audiobook, yep. I'm and, all about waiting. And it is graphic. And there is so language. Don't listen so with, don't listen if, with I kids listened in the room when or, I was on a trip by myself, I remember. Or if I you get squeamish. A, I was on a flight. I remember listening to it and being like, yeah, wouldn't have this on when I had children in the room. Well, the book that I am reading somewhat relates to foster care, and it's Can't Steal My Joy by Becca Bowman. And it is the story of Becca's journey with having two children who had rare genetic diseases, and they didn't find this out until Her first son started having all sorts of medical issues and they were running test after test after test after test. And then they found out it was a a fatal disease. And so walking through that and then him passing away and in the process of when they were walking through watching their older son and his body just deteriorating, they found out that their younger son also had it. And so... I can't even imagine the blow mm. of that when you're, you feel like, well, you know, you're, you're just agonizing over all of the things with your oldest son and you have this two-year-old who seems perfectly normal. Um, he'd had some medical issues, but they thought they'd kind of work through that. And um, they had just gotten him tested because the doctors had recommended it just because there would be a possibility that he would have it. And so just finding that out, but they've actually, I just looked her up on Instagram and he is six years old. Now they were able to 
um, get him into this um, infusion program hmm. that's supposed to slow down the disease. And so he seems to be, you know, it's a daily, hourly type of thing where the, that is part of their life. But from what I could tell on Instagram, he is doing really well. And he's had, I think, over 110 infusions. Um, and I think he gets them every few weeks. So it was just going to reading the book and then looking on our Instagram, you know, as someone who is just brand new to this world of a child with special needs and learning so much and being stretched, I found it, I feel like I could relate more when she was talking about, you know, the feeding tube and the hospital and um, just all the doctor's visits and everything, but they're on this completely different Mm -hmm. level. And I feel like I had so much more respect and empathy for her because it felt like, you know, we're just dealing with this kind of microscopic at the microscopic level compared to what they're dealing with. And so I think it just gave me a deeper appreciation for her story and her journey. So again, that was called Can't Steal My Joy by Becca Bowman. So unexpected lessons from a year of foster care on Instagram. I've been sharing a little bit about our journey and I know we've done a few podcast episodes on why we started fostering and answering questions on foster care. And we will um, link to those in the show notes. But today I wanted to come at it from a different perspective and that's more what we've learned and the unexpected that we've learned from a year as foster parents. And we were licensed actually in October, 2019. And we had a sibling group of three that we had as a short-term placement, which we learned a lot from. And then we did respite for um, a girl who was nine turning 10 while she was with us. And that was just for a week. And then, so we got our first long-term placement last March and that was Champ, and we brought him home from the NICU. And so we had him for eight months, as most people know, and then he reunified with his mom. And then we got Sweet Baby D eight weeks ago, and he's also another long-term placement. And so we, we've really been in the thick of foster care, I would say, for the last year, because mm-hmm. it's been over a year since we first brought Champ home. And so even though he reunified, Walking through that grief was a whole nother facet of foster care that I feel like I'm trying to think, you know, when we went to the classes, is that something that they talked about? Like they talked a lot about reunification and that reunification is the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal. But I don't recall them really talking about walking through the grief that was going to come with that reunification. And so I would say, first off, that's been an unexpected lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been blessings in it because we have grown so much in our empathy for others. And I was just emailing someone this morning and saying that it's only been in the last month for me that I really feel like I have come out of that grief mm-hmm. and that I feel like I'm able to, and I didn't even realize how much I was in the thick of the grief. But recently I did an Instagram live and I had just felt motivated, inspired to do Instagram lives. And um, I hadn't done them for months. And I actually went back and looked when the last one I had done was. And I realized 
it was right around the time that we found out that he was going to reunify. And I feel like that was the Mm -hmm. end of September. And ever since the end of September, there's just been intense emotion and it comes in waves. And sometimes everything will feel light, but that never has lasted Mm -hmm. before long. Something will happen. You know, we'll see one of his toys or see his car seat, or we'll see a picture of him, or we'll just think of something we did with him. And then it just kind of washes back on Mm -hmm. you Again, And so since September, and it's currently May, and I think that was an unexpected thing for me of just the level of grief that we would walk through in saying goodbye. And yet we've learned so much from it. And I feel like we have a new, new eyes of compassion for others. And though we don't understand exactly what it would be like to walk through the loss of a child in a sense we did lose a child Mm -hmm. and we experienced some of the grief that people would experience and so i feel like it's given us a deeper ability to weep with those who weep Mm -hmm. as a result it also provided a really good opportunity for us to walk through it with our kids Mm -hmm. and i know i think you're going to discuss some of that a little bit later but as far as the grief aspect goes they're in a position where they've not really lost much mm-hmm. and uh, this you know provided them an opportunity to learn how to grieve mm-hmm. and and that's an i hate to th- call it a skill it's not a skill but it's an important thing you need to learn to do mm-hmm. because if you don't it's going to eat at you and it's going to come all out sideways if you don't if you don't go through the process and each of them grieved differently Mm -hmm. and all of them were impacted really profoundly. So I think that was an unexpected part of foster care as well. That was not only my own grief, but that at the same time that I was grieving, I was also walking through it with my kids and wanting to be really in tune to Mm -hmm. what they were feeling and aware of that and giving them a lot of space to process and to feel a lot of big feelings and to realize that none of us are going to do it perfectly. Mm -hmm. And there was definitely anger at times from different people. There were times when people felt depressed or they wanted to shut down. And, you know, it's interesting because I think when we got the call for baby D and then saying yes to him, there were a lot of additional emotions that came up that, you know, we kind of felt like we were, we had processed through a lot and Mm -hmm. it had been, you know, we'd said goodbye to him at the beginning of December and we didn't get the call for baby D until March. I'm trying to think, was it beginning of March? I think it's been eight weeks. So it was mid March is when we got him. Yeah. So that's, you know, beginning of December, it it had been December, January, February, March, like it had been three and a half months, which you would feel like, oh, that's, that's a long time. And we had healed and processed through Mm -hmm. a lot and gotten to a place where we weren't, it wasn't like we were saying yes to baby D as a replacement for champ. And that Mm -hmm. was something that was really important to us because we didn't want to have kind of where you just say yes, because there's this hole in your heart and you're trying to fill that 
with another child, because that's going to be a dysfunctional relationship that you're going to have in fostering. But when he came into our home, especially the first few weeks, a lot of stuff came to the surface for all of us. Mm -hmm. And so there were a lot of mixed emotions. Like we wanted to be excited about you know, saying yes to him and just really love him and pour into him. But there were different things like, you know, I pulled out clothes for him to put on and realizing that some of these things were really special clothes that, you know, we had special memories with, with Champ. And for the kids, they had these memories attached to that article of clothing. And it just felt like the wrong thing for us to also just put that on baby D. And so it was just being aware of their grief and their needs and their feelings and having, we had some really honest conversations about it and it ended up being a really, really good thing. And I think also for them to be willing to open up their heart again and love again when they knew that there's a very good chance that their heart could be broken again. And that's part of the process. And I feel like these are unexpected lessons that we didn't think about when we were signing up for foster care. And it's really hard to prepare for, but it's been so good because it's grown us so much. In that same vein, Jesse, I know when we said yes to foster care and we were stepping into it, there were a lot of fears that we had of how is this going to affect our kids? And I think it's an important thing that you have to process through. You need to go in with eyes wide open. But I think that it has affected our kids. And yes, like we talked about, there's been grief and loss and sadness and big feelings. But it has also, I feel like, given them this level of empathy and love that I hadn't seen from them before Mm -hmm. and, and having to make a lot of sacrifices and seeing, you know, I think them watching champ go from, you know, we brought him home from the NICU and seeing him now turn into, he's what is he 15 months? Yeah. Something like that. And, you know, just this toddler almost that he's become and how interactive and engaged and happy and how much he's attached to them when we get to babysit for him. And it's just the sweetest thing. And I think there's been a lot of fulfillment for them in that and realizing, you know, I played a part in his, I guess, I don't know what the word is success, but you know, success story of like him now being this thriving little boy who is super attached with his mom and she's doing so well, he's doing so well, but at the same time, he loves to come over to our house and he gets so happy to see the kids. And I just think it's just been this really beautiful thing. I also think with baby D, it's opening up their eyes to the world of special needs and just what that looks like. And I think that's been an unexpected lesson for me also is I realized, you know, that... I, just to be honest, felt awkward around kids or adults who have special needs, um, especially when they were at a level that you really couldn't interact with them well. They might be hard to understand or they might be making weird noises or in a wheelchair. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like that he is opening up our hearts to seeing 
that there's so much more there that we honestly have missed in the past. And I think it's making us want to be so much more outgoing and engaging when we are places and we see a child or an adult who has special needs just to know that there's so much there to them that maybe on the outside you miss because you're just focusing on, well, this feels awkward and just getting to know them at a deeper level. And so I think that's been a really good thing for our kids and it's affected them in such positive ways and stretched them and grown them. I think that's one of the key factors that we've seen is how they've been stretched and grown and how they've adapted. And then, but not only how they've adapted, but how they've flourished. Mm-hmm. We know one thing I was uh, thinking was we've had some of our kids have really been hesitant at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think they were beginning at, at both, both babies. Mm-hmm. They were hesitant, but then slowly they've grown and, and flourished and love these children as their own siblings Mm -hmm. and have attached very hard. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that makes the the separation most difficult is when you attach hard, the separation is hard, right? Mm -hmm. But also when you attach hard, you help them to attach hard and that just helps them flourish and the, the child flourish in ways that they would not have been able to had they not learned to attach. Well, and if you do, if you read things on child development, the first year of a child's life is so important. And that's when they're learning so many of these skills that are actually going to affect them for years and years to come. So to see our kids be a part of that process Mm -hmm. of this child learning to attach. And I think also for our kids, you know, you talked about them being hesitant at first. I think when there's medical needs and they're not sure, you know, how, how do I care for them? You know, I think with, with champ, it was like, he had to be fed this certain way and we had to Mm -hmm. be so careful that he was, you know, wrapped up and so that he wasn't losing any calories. And he oftentimes was doing these choking things. And, you know, we all had to kind of learn to, you know, what you do in situations when he's choking and um, how to hold the bottle and feed him and how to do it well. And um, then with baby D, you know, with the feeding tube and with his cleft lip and cleft palate and, um, you know, reflux and things like that, that it can, you know, at first you, you feel like, oh no, am I going to, am I going to do something? Am I going to hurt him? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so our kids have had to process through that. And then to see them become so confident, you know, I remember the first time that Silas gave Champ his bottle and it was successful and like, it just gave him this sense of confidence Mm -hmm. and he's becoming more and more confident around baby D and just to see that and to see our kids grow in that. I think who knows what God has for their future, but I feel like this is going to allow them to step into places that maybe they wouldn't feel confident otherwise because mm-hmm. of walking this. You know, there's one thing or one word that was kind of consistent with in going into this process, and that is fear. That's because fear is normal. Fear is what you have when there's when things are unexpected, when you don't know what is in front of you. 
by nature, you will be fearful, but with confidence, that fear dissipates. And honestly, the other thing I was thinking of the, as far as what we've experienced through this process is expect the unexpected mm-hmm. because you, you may, we may be thinking these certain things are going to happen and something completely different happens. And you just got to be flexible and roll with the punches and basically go with the flow, really. Well, and I think that that leads into, for me, one of the unexpected lessons is learning to let go. And I know I've talked about this some in previous episodes, but I think it's important to just stick it in here because it is such a big life lesson for me of being someone who loves to kind of have control and have a plan. And um, with foster care, you don't. (laughs) You you can plan all you want, but it is not going to go according to that plan. Mm-hmm. And I think you throw in special needs as well, and you just never know what it's going to be. And to just live with my hands open. Exactly. And to realize how much I think I have control in other areas of my life when we don't know. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what next week or next year And it's just been so good to live in this space of live today, fully embrace today. It's like every time we get to babysit for champ, just being fully present there. I could play out all sorts of things for the future. I could worry and be fearful of things for the future, but just live today. Just embrace today. I think foster care has also changed my perspective on so many things just in the world. A lot of them are hot button topics. And it's easy for us to talk about something in this really theoretical sense um, when it comes to things like immigration or racism or addiction. But when you're actually walking beside someone it puts skin on things in a way that I've never thought of it before. When it's actually a person who is experiencing this, I feel like you can't help but change the way you think about things. And also I feel like the whole pro-life and what it means to be pro-life, I think this is something for me with caring for baby D that I've thought about a lot. And how, for me, it's much more than what we often think of pro-life as being. And if we say that we're pro-life, are we willing to step into those hard places and make big sacrifices and walk with women or take in children? It's just changes things. And it also changes my perspective on just so many things, but I don't talk about politics on the internet or on the podcast. Um, So I'll stop there. But, but one more thing is that it's opened up the door to so many conversations with our kids because you're just there. I feel like there's so much in the media about all these different topics, but when it's something that you're dealing with it in a real everyday sense. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a lot of answers for a lot of things. 
but it's shaken up my viewpoints in a really good way. And I, and I think the biggest thing for me, and I think probably for you as well, Jesse, but I don't want to speak for you is it's deepened our faith mm-hmm. because this last year we have had to trust God like never before, but we've also gotten to see God be faithful like never before. Mm-hmm. And I talked about this on Instagram yesterday, but someone wrote in a few days ago and said, they just don't find me relatable anymore. And they were really warm and gracious in how they said this, but that they've just seen such a shift in the content that I put out that it's become more Christian and that they'd followed me for 10 years, but as a non-Christian, they just were finding what I was sharing to be unpleasant and unrelatable. And you know, I receive that. I I know that what I share is not going to be for everyone, but what I share on Instagram is really just the overflow of what's going on in my heart. And I didn't even realize until she said this, that there has been a big shift in my content in the last year, and it has become more Christian or faith-based. But honestly, that's because of foster care, because of walking through messy and hard and broken spaces and places and um, seeing redemption and seeing God's grace and mercy and strength and seeing him answer prayer. And I can't help but not share. And I can't not stop talking about it because I'm just have this deeper level of belief in the goodness and faithfulness of God. (laughs) He is so faithful. He's been so faithful. And I just think that walking through this and being stretched in the way that we have this last year, that was a completely unexpected lesson of just jumping out, facing our fears and seeing God show up Mm -hmm. again and again and be so faithful. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 